0: Welcome to TEH, the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast, where several hosts talk about the week's technology news and anything else that we think is cool about technology. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash teh40. We have four hosts this week. I'm Randy Cassingham, founder of thisistrue.com, the oldest entertainment newsletter on the internet, and the creator of the online, offline, viral, getoutofhellfree.com.
1: I'm Kevin Savitz, creator of FreePrintable.net, where you can download 46,921 printable documents and templates, and FaxZero.com, where you can send a fax to anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, including your member of of, uh, Congress or the Senate, and I bet they want to hear from you.
2: I'm Leo Notenboom, lover of coffee, corgis, and computers. Oh, not always in that order. And of course, of course, I'm the Leo behind AskLeo.com.
3: And I'm Gary Rosenzweig, and I'm the host and producer of MacMost.com, where I post new Mac, iPhone, and iPad tutorials almost every day. And I also make mobile games at CleverMedia.com. So what Would have you been know, up to?
0: What I want to know is, Kevin, you give the exact number. Does that change every week? I haven't been keeping track.
3: It,
1: yes, it changes as it changes. It's uh, on the homepage of the site where I read it, and it automatically updates uh. because magic.
0: And I assume it grows like every week.
1: It yeah, a little Very bit much. every week. Yeah, we're, we're uh, coming up on fifty thousand. I wonder if we'll hit that by the end of the year. That's a lot of things to print. Yeah, it is. It's um, a lot fax. of paper. You're not required to print all of it. You're just just the things you want.
3: Can you can you print it all and then fax them? You could. All you could forty-one thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Forty-six thousand. Forty-six thousand. Yeah. it's yeah, a bit long. Fax.
0: Yeah, I bring up the calendars all the time just so I can plan things and don't very often print them, but sometimes they do
1: uh awesome, yeah, working on a on a new site um uh I wonder if I'm ready to talk about it yet, but no, it's not ready yet, but it will be soon um we are wh- what is it uh we have a bunch of sites that offer uh letters um and uh i mean
0: pre-written stuff
1: like letter templates yeah like resignation yeah. letters and stuff <laughs> Dear letters. yeah, yeah. I,
3: th- I thought it was probably like sesame street the letter w well on a big
1: sheet of paper yeah, we've, we've done that too <laughs> <laughs> just, just thank you letters and letters of recommendation and resignation letters and uh i mean writing letters I mean, even for me writing stuff like that is hard we have to write just like a you know, a letter of recommendation for someone or just like a thank you letter. I mean, just coming up with the basics of just like, thank you for the gift or whatever. It's just, it's hard. And anyway, these templates are, are, uh, they, they help me and I think they help a lot of other people anyway. So we're working on a new site, um, of, of, uh, of letter templates that will be soon. Um, I was trying to tell you what it was, but I can't honestly remember and I can't find the email that's talking about it. So, but I'll now it what, what's the thing. So cool. yep. It's creating that news, new stuff. And, uh, and uh, maybe we'll hit 50,000 at the end of the year. So. Hey,
2: okay. since you're on a roll, Kevin, what else you've been up to this week?
1: I have. Yeah. It's been a, a busy week for me. Um, uh, Let's see. I, today did the switch from, uh, uh, to T-Mobile that I talked about a few weeks. Oh Yeah. Ago. Yeah. And uh, my phone right now is in a weird state where it sort of has, seems to have two phone numbers. Now, I, I signed up for AT&T when I called them today. They said I signed up in 2008. So I've literally been this, with this company for 10 years and uh, switched away. So I, I don't really know how switching a phone number works. And I, I assume it's maybe, I mean, the last few hours it made me think it's a lot like domain name propagation where you your you, your your website can literally kind of be in two places at once for a while until the the news gets everywhere you know until the the, the news of the change gets uh, spread out to the world uh right now as of this moment when i send a text it's from my quote unquote new phone number which i don't actually want um but when i i can receive text at the new phone number or at my old phone number <laughs> so um, so it's, it's in the middle of porting. I it's would assume. in the middle of porting, I guess. Right. So when I sent you a text uh, 10 minutes ago, Randy, was it from my normal number or was it from a weird?
0: Uh, I'm not unknown. sure I got it actually.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's got a it. different problem. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: so anyway, uh, uh, just, no, actually, yeah, you did send it. I did get it. And, um, oh no, wait a minute. No, I didn't. I did not get it.
1: Huh. That's weird. Yeah. I guess I'm in the middle of porting. You said, uh, well, yes, you did. You said when you can record this evening. And I said I can go now if you guys are able, and, and you responded to that. So,
0: all right. So, you're right. I did, and it's not in my <laughs> folder right now.
1: Cool. All right, something's weird. Yeah, yeah. So I said every. It's been weird. <laughs> Everything's been weird about my my phone. It's fascinating
2: because the last time I ported a number, which admittedly has been a while, yeah. um, it was pretty darned quick. I mean, it was like. Um, and this, you know, definitely involved um, a different carrier. In fact, it may have been um, AT&T, which had um, uh, Microsoft's corporate business, mm-hmm. to Verizon when mm-hmm. I moved. And it was like instant. There was no lag at all, which mm-hmm. kind of surprised me at the time. So I'm wondering if uh, what we're f- what you're experiencing here is a result of the tremendous growth in the industry where there's just so many... Um, so many mobile phones, so many phones that are are able to be ported Mm. that, yeah, they probably had to introduce some kind of a stage caching system, which is ultimately, like you said, what the DNS system is all about.
0: Right. Yeah. And I figured it out. Mm. I was looking at my join, which is a interface between the computer and the phone so I can use my regular keyboard to type messages and it just hadn't caught up. So it, it is there and it was from your old number. Hmm,
1: okay. Well, that's good. I guess that's the way I want it to be. It was funny that the, the initial porting was really fast. Um, I, I put the, the SIM card in my phone. So I was calling, I called T Mobile from my new number. And I was talking to the woman. She was very nice, very helpful, blah, blah, blah. And then, and she's like, okay, you know, I've done the port. You know, it could take up to 24 hours. And uh, And she was like in the middle of a sentence when we got cut off because my phone number had changed in the middle of the call. (laughs) She's like, it could take 24 hours. It took like five seconds for for that part of it, you know? So, um, but like, yeah. Now, did
0: she call you back? She did not. No. I hate that. But yeah. Because there's no way for you to get directly to her.
1: Right. Yeah. But um, anyway, it was fine. We are basically done anyway, but it still, yeah, it would have been uh, above and beyond for her to, to call me for sure. All right. All right. So anyway, that was that. Um, Change phone numbers. And uh, I spent this weekend at uh, XOXO Fest, which is a uh, conference. One of the, how do they describe it? An experimental festival for independent artists and creators who work on the internet. And I believe this is the fifth or sixth XOXO Fest, which always happens in Portland. Um, and I've never gone, but I keep seeing... You know this this amazing thing seems to keep happening in my town, uh, so I decided to to go this year, and I had a, another friend who came from New York to uh, to go to it. So I went with her, and um
0: and it's XOXO Fest dot Zozo Fest or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's pronounced XOXO, and I think it's like hugs and kisses because we we all love the internet. Uh, so, uh, um yeah, so it's like creative types who use the internet to to be creative, and and uh, so there was. Podcasters and YouTube people and and coders uh, and and uh, all sorts of things um, and a couple of little things I wanted to mention uh, early on there there was a night of called uh, Art and Code, which was a collection of uh, speakers, creators working at the intersection of art and technology. so there was um, uh, someone who does uh, glitch art and someone who does uh, bots. Like Twitter bots and 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 uh, poetry bots and things like that. Um, there was uh, uh, a, a talk about this a person named Diana Smith, who you should definitely Google, who does paintings out of CSS. Um, she does this awesome, beautiful <laughs> art. I mean, like 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 art art that looks like an oil painting, but it's only done with CSS code.
3: I think I've seen that. Yeah. It's- great stuff
1: um, yeah absolutely amazing stuff um, and there was a, a talk about uh, the, the hard G project which was uh, th- these folks who did uh, who got tablets like cheap tablets and put like weird gifts on them and then like left them around San Francisco as just, like, <laughs> little little mini art installations um, and uh, just some amazing just people doing creative creative stuff and I didn't I don't know I, I don't know why I went to this thing other than just to kind of get a little inspiration or to see what people are are doing. Were Um, you successful in that regard? uh, I I think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I didn't, I don't think I came away with like a to-do list of of things, but it was, it was, it was neat to see what other people are doing and uh, to, and I think maybe it might, you know, down the line, I might be inspired directly. Or indirectly by by what I saw. Cool.
2: Did yeah. you um, attend the keynote?
1: Uh, yeah, I believe. Yes, I did. Which uh, keynote? Was a, what,
2: comedian of
0: some sort?
1: Yeah, yes, I did.
2: Um, I forget her name now. I was looking at it. Cameron
0: either. Esposito. Yes,
1: yes. Cameron. she's awesome.
2: I've seen yeah. I've seen her in various venues before. She's really good.
1: Yes, I saw that. And the in the closing uh, talk was um, Harry Kondabolu. Who recently did the? He was mostly talking about his his movie, uh, The Trouble with Apu, about the uh, the representation of the uh, the Indian uh, character Apu on The Simpsons. And he's the guy that's leading that charge, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. I've
1: I've heard about that and read about that. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was a good conference, and and uh, I I don't know. I kind of went in. Wondering if it would be worth my time, but I—I uh, uh, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the conference, from what I was talking about, this seems to be like people just like hanging out and like chatting and and like you know you know, have drinks and and meeting people and and I I love that idea, but I'm I'm just not good at it. <laughs> I just feel like you know I I uh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I'm just yeah. not good at the, the the small talk and the schmoozing. And and when I did talk to people, I mean. It, w- it was the intersection of 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 interests was surprised me every time. I mean, there was a guy who who played the first guy I talked to played jazz piano, and I played jazz piano. So <laughs> it was cool. And the second guy walked up to me, and uh, I, I had a shirt on for the for uh, the uh, the computer museum in, in Poland. And he's like, oh oh, that's uh, that's that shirt's from Breslau, and 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 he had been there, and he wanted to talk about Poland. And then someone else wanted to talk. You know, we ended up talking about interactive fiction and and uh, uh, infocom games. So, just a ton of interesting people there. But for me, actually talking to them is difficult. So. <laughs> yep,
2: I just had this vision. If it's if it's the intersection of what is it, art and coding, I just have this vision of a room full of people where the coders are off against the wall and all the art
0: people are just mingling around in the middle. <laughs> So I'm wondering how many people were there because it was held at the Coliseum.
1: Yeah. There was a more, it was like 2,200 people, which was the largest one that they've had so far. I think the first one was 500 people. Um, That's still pretty big. Yeah. And it keeps getting bigger. And, and the sense I got, and I do not speak for the organizers, organizers, but the sense I got was that maybe we've gotten too big and we want to dial it back. And they say like every year it's an experiment and they're just trying to figure out what works. And, uh, you know, maybe they experimented too too largely, too big this time. But there was a lot of people there, and uh it was not intimate for sure. But oh, 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 yes. Oh, I know you guys want to talk about your things, but mm. no, this uh, is interesting. So I took, so the the other like big thing for me that I enjoyed was Friday night was an ar- arcade night where they say that they they play the best un- upcoming indie video games with their creators in our pop-up arcade. And so I took my daughter who's 11 cause she loves video games and we played a bunch of games, which uh, are have not been released yet or probably will never be released or just experimental weird stuff. Um, the, the big one that, that was, was uh Certainly the, the hit of the, of the night was, was uh, something called Untitled Goose Game, uh, which has gotten a lot of buzz already on, on the YouTubes and stuff. And this is a, a game where you are a goose, you play the part of a goose, and you're on a farm. And you are the just the jerkiest a-hole of a goose that ever existed. <laughs> and And you are given a list of things you need to do. So there's a, like the gardener walking around and he's, you know, planting things and doing gardener things. And you have to like take his keys. That's one of the things. And the, actually when you do it and you actually like steal his keys from his, from his, you know, off, off his belt, he get, like checks it off, you know, like it, like it's on a, a notepad. It's like done. Uh, and then you have to like get the gardener wet and you have to make a picnic by like getting the, the 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 apple and the picnic basket and the sandwich and get them, actually you know put them in all in one little little area um and you have to uh steal at one point you have to steal the the gardener's hat and make him change into his sun hat and so basically you're just tormenting the sky <laughs> and uh by being this jerk of a goose and it's just it's a hilarious game that's going to be released uh next year on uh, pc mac and uh and switch so that was more of a more of a traditional game and there was another game um ca- what was it called oh oh we played a vr game called ship it and i don't think i've ever actually played a, a real vr game before where you put on the oculus goggles and um so this game was was you are in a factory or a shipping department and these Widgets are coming at you and you need to put them into the shipping boxes and make them fit and close the box and ship them off. And you, you, know, you have a certain number of quota and you have to you know, fill the box. Basically, it was 3D Tetris using your hand. So you're reaching out, you grab the, the Tetris piece, you put it in the box and you can orient it any way you want and and try to fill the box as efficiently as possible and then ship it off. And in and, and the whole time there's like a boss yelling at you, in your ears, you know, you want to get a raise, you got to be more efficient or whatever. Um, and I had, it was, it was super fun game. I'd never done VR before. And, uh, I felt like a, you know, complete, just kind of jerk, just like reaching out into the, you know, just, just feeling like goofy, just like waving my arms around and stuff with the glasses on and stuff. um, and then, you know, once I had my box full, I was just like, I literally had to just like say out loud, like, where does this go? I can't, I don't see the thing. It's like, turn behind you. And you have to turn behind you to find the conveyor belt to, to put the box in. Um, totally fun. For and some reason, it just, just
2: reminds me of the I Love Lucy episode.
1: Yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was 3D Tetris. It was, it was just amazing when you actually grab the Tetris pieces and, and put them in. And, uh, and there was a, a crazy game, which could, can't be released i mean it's just it's not a thing that that would be viable as a product called busy work uh where there was an actual like four cubicle office they had set up and um with a and it was a computer and and uh at, a, at each station and like a printer and and uh, uh hanging files and stuff and the computer would like tell you to do things like, you know, go to the file, go to the files and find file number X one nine three and, you know, give it to Dave or whatever. And he had to do that. And then another one, you know, at at the same time, there'd be four players at once. and, And another player would be like, you know, go to the printer and print out the memo and read the memo aloud to, to everyone. And, and so there's four people just like frantically running around, trying to do their tasks all at the same time. Like it was like mania, just like, all this stuff going on. And uh, the the way that you win the game though is to get those things done so that you can send emails. And the way you send emails is um, to type on the keyboard as, as fast as you can. doesn't matter what you type. You just have to you know, bang on the keyboard. And and then it, it's and the person who sends the most emails is clearly the most efficient worker and that's how you win the game. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works in real life too. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was, and the last one I'll talk about there was a pong game that was across five screens. So you start it's a two two-player two player pong, just like regular, in on the middle screen. Uh, but if you miss, then the ball travel the, 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 the you're on the well, let's call it screen number three of five right in the middle. And a player misses, so the ball travels to screen number two which lights up. The screen is like off and all of a sudden just kind of comes on and then the ball is moving across and you have another chance to hit it. And if you miss it again, it goes to screen number one on the far left side and you have another chance to hit the ball. So the screen's like off until they need to be on. So you just like have a moment to get your paddle into place. So it was like super wide pong. Um, really neat take on the game. And uh, that's no, another game that you know could never be released. It's just an experimental thing. It, no one's going to have five TVs to <laughs> to, uh, to do this. So. Anyway, I had a good time, and my daughter had a good time. We were up Sounds late, like it, yeah. Way too late playing video games, and uh, it was good.
2: At the risk of uh, making it more successful, I may have to look at coming down <laughs> next year. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, that's what I was thinking, shoulder. too. Yeah. yeah. So. Randy, what's up with you?
0: I'll have something to talk about um, next month. So I, I'm... We're, we're doing something with uh, real estate. Cool. I, well, I don't think it, I want to oh, jinx anything. Sure. So I hope it all works out well. We're under contract for something.
2: Something. <laughs> Keep it a big myster- mystery.
0: Yeah.
3: Gary. Uh, you know, just the uh, same as last week. I think I said I was working on a new course for Mac OS Mo- Mojave um, because. Kind of expect Apple to release that pretty soon. I've got to have a course ready to go. Um, So that's all I've been doing. Lots of videos. Uh, Right now the course is 63 videos long. Wow. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I I haven't added up the time yet, but um, I I think my previous course was about four hours. I think this might be five hours. i have to see. Um, So, yep, that's a lot of work every day. (laughs)
2: I'm still trying to get my uh, my video set up to be more efficient. I'm making progress, but it's still uh, still fairly painful for me uh, to uh, to just sort of sit down. to 60 videos would be like, take me forever.
3: Well, one of the advantages of doing the courses videos is I don't put myself in them like I do right. my regular ones. I, I do an intro video, and I put myself in that, um, and a promo video, and I put myself in that. But then the, all the main ones are just screen capture which is nice because um, you know I don't have to look presentable and have the backdrop and a shirt that's opposing colors to the backdrop and all that stuff.
0: don't um, have to wear pants.
3: You don't have to wear pants. Or I can, anything for that matter. And I can use the headset that I'm talking with right now, which I don't do on my regular videos because then I'm wearing a headset on, on screen. But right. the uh, the headset is nice because the mic, no matter where I turn my head, the microphone is always the same location. Oh, you right. just moved you your that. head around,
0: didn't you? Just no. now.
3: No. Maybe. Okay. I don't know, <laughs>
0: but yeah. Well, I did the math and, and 63 videos for five hours is, you know, a little less than five minutes of video.
3: Yeah. I've got some that are shorter they're three minutes, but I definitely have a few that are longer, much longer than five. So it's probably five hours plus. Ah, the total next week.
0: There you cool. go.
2: Well, my weekend at least was spent uh, driving around in circles, I mentioned last week at the end, uh, that bike MS was coming up and we had a very successful, uh, fundraising event, something like 1500 bikes went driving around, uh, four courses each day, uh, the longest being a hundred miles. The, uh, there were 10 of us who did this, what's called sagging. And I'll actually talk about that a little bit more in detail, um, if we have time later, but the, uh, uh, the concept is that we're basically stalking all of the riders uh, with the intent of helping them if they run into trouble. And uh, it's funny. The, one of the most valuable things, we, we carry some supplies with us. That's what SAG stands for, supplies and gear. But one of the things that um, uh, turns out to be the most valuable is a real bicycle pump because hmm. what the uh, what these riders carry with them are either co2 cartridges uh, uh, which kind of sort of makes sense uh, but they tend to run out if you have more than one flat and definitely people have more than one flat or they have these little tiny pumps that just take forever to pump up your tire and some of them can't even get to the uh, to the required uh, pressure so when i drive up uh, i definitely get smiles when i tell them i've got a real real old fashioned bicycle pump with a dial on it and everything. They're very happy. But like I said we may have some more details on that a little later uh, if we've got time.
3: And it's only technically stalking if you continue to follow them after the race is over. <laughs> 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 so, you're okay.
2: Well, I did Facebook friend one of the riders
3: oh, um, well, after I uh, got I home.
2: Know. So that's a little scary I said.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Take your job a little too too seriously. Yeah. So.
2: So Randy, you added this to the list about Chrome sixty nine. You want to? Yeah,
0: and I actually just got it. I let it update while we were talking, and I have it now. And uh, when it came back after restarting, I noticed I'm at www.google.com. So the the supposed announcement was that they were going to do away. With the www or the m dot for mobile, uh, and only just show the the main address. You know, the, right. To be the clear. the top level or the second level domain.
2: To be clear, what they were doing
0: away with was
2: not the www on the internet. They were just doing away with showing displaying it, playing
0: it. Yeah. Right. And sure enough, it does not show secure. It does have the little green padlock, and it does show HTTPS and that's also in green, but they were going to take that away from us, and there was howls of protest about that. Um, All sorts of people were saying, no, no, there's actually a difference between WWW and non, and we shouldn't confuse users by not showing them where they actually are. And I agree. I agree, too. It's funny because...
2: um Www. some domain name and that domain name without the www in 99.99% of websites, it's the same thing. Right. Um, the well-configured ones like ours will uh, redirect you, you
0: from one to the other. Yeah. To, to
2: the preferred one. Right. Right. So for example, in your case, I think if you just go to thisistrue.com, you'll end up at www. No,
0: it's it. the other way around now. Oh, it is now? Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, certainly with Ask Leo. Um, it's, you know, if you go to www.askleo, you'll end up on Ask Leo. That's just the way it is, the way I set it up. But um, it is totally, totally within the technology's capability to have those be two completely different sites www.askleo.com and askleo.com could be two completely different sites. And I did run across at least one reference where uh, a fairly old site um, is exactly that. The www.site is the website for a particular technology, a particular online API. Without the www, it's the online API. So they are mm. two completely different things differentiated by only the WWW back in the day when this was all being developed, makes total sense, right? I mean, who's going to, I mean, you know, not a, you know, web websites, web pages um, are going to be, you know, a few and far between, perhaps we'll all be using gopher or Archie or whatever the heck we were, we I were miss thinking gopher. of what's gopher.
1: I miss
0: gopher. <laughs> I, know, I know.
2: Um, but the fact is, in today's world yeah it's not a it's not a reasonable design decision to do something like that um, on the other hand, you still need to support all these sites that that may in fact treat them differently um, The other scary part is the scarier part to me anyway um is removing the m dot for sites that pr- that display their mobile version on a different domain simply with m dot um, that is a different site in many ways Um, and it's actually spawned a very interesting conspiracy theory and that is that what google is really trying to do is make their amp pages less visible in the sense that it's much more difficult to tell whether or not you're looking at an amp version of a page or um, the actual page the reason that's significant is that an AMP page can be cached and provided only by Google without needing to reference the original site every time somebody goes to the page. So, for example, 500 people go to an AMP version of one of my pages. I may only see one visit, and that's from Google picking it up the first time, and they're just providing it for everybody thereafter. Uh, so the conspiracy theory, and I don't necessarily buy into it, but I think it's an interesting one, is that uh, the long-term plan is for Google to be able to hide that uh, from the end users.
3: And I hate those AMP pages. <laughs> I do too, but I have I, to. I, every- I, yeah, I, well, the thing is, I you know I converted MacMost to you know having AMP pages a while ago, and well, the reason I hate them <laughs> is because Google sends you alerts. As the website owner, when they detect something is awry with an AMP page. Well, the problem is I have I have thousands of pages going back, you know, 12 years. Right. So I'll get an alert like on a Sunday morning from them saying, oh, this page has a significant warning or something that is not compatible with AMP. And it's like a blog post from, nine, you know, nine, uh, maybe 2005 about a new iPod coming out. Ha- you know, it's like, I don't care about that page. It's okay. It doesn't have to be an AMP page. And uh, and yeah, so I have I had to give up on, you know, my completeness of like, OK, I want to make sure there's no warnings in my Webmaster tools. Now, there's some warnings there of old pages that Google wants to insist are perfect AMP pages. And they're not. And they're never What I found with
2: some of those warnings is that it's sometimes incredibly difficult to understand just yes. what it is that annoys Google.
3: Yes. And there's things that it's like, oh, well, this is you, why can't it be a little more, you know, accommodating, you know, HTML is very accommodating. It really is. There are tons of horribly coded HTML pages out there that render perfectly fine on all browsers. And they use substandard stuff. They use have weird tags. They have things that are not coded. You know, they're coded with old tables instead of div tags and all that. And they look perfectly fine. But with AMP pages, it's like, nope, if you don't have this exact weird tag in there, then it's not a valid AMP page. Yeah. It's pretty annoying.
2: For um, those who aren't aware, I suppose we should step up a a level here. AMP stands for Accelerated Mobile Pages. And what it is is it's it's an initiative, also by Google, to uh, basically allow them to present a faster, more streamlined experience on mobile devices uh, for sites that want to do so. The reason that it annoys website owners like Gary and myself and perhaps uh, Kevin and uh, Randy as well Is that it's not required, but if you want to rank higher in Google, you really want to have AMP pages. Uh, So it's almost a... a, uh, It's an an arm twisting. Um, You know, it'd be a shame for something to happen to your search results if you didn't...
3: (laughs) I haven't noticed any any difference I have that nice website of yours
2: yeah Yeah, I have to admit um, I have not noticed a whole lot of difference (laughs) myself but again I mean you're comparing against you know something that you haven't done if you took away all your AMP pages would your rating would your rankings now drop I don't know know. presumably yeah yeah. Yeah. what's common about both of these issues the AMP pages and the domain name changes or domain name display changes is that many people consider this to be Google overreaching and attempting to define the internet by, uh, uh, and avoid all of the pre-existing methods and uh, techniques that have been in place literally for decades mm-hmm. for defining the internet. They're defining it based on what they want and screw everyone else. And that's really unfortunate. And to the extent that there is a conspiracy, that's probably the one that I would buy into, that they're just overreaching and they're just not interested in participating in a collaborative process.
0: Do no evil. They dropped that. I know. And I hate that they dropped that because I think they're doing some evil here and there.
2: They are. They are. And that is unfortunate. But again, when you're the big gorilla, you get to, Pretty much do what you want.
0: Yeah, they're not an 800-pound gorilla. They're a 2,000-pound gorilla. Whatever.
2: Yeah, very, very large gorilla. So anyway, that's what that's all about. I'm hoping what you're experiencing, Randy, with having downloaded 69 is them maybe deciding to back off a little bit or maybe delay.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Mm. Deep. All right. I think we've beaten that one to death. Yeah, sure. who you got, Gary?
3: Me? Oh, yeah. well, let's see. What do I have? Well, you know, I I couldn't um you know, I read a whole bunch this weekend about this ocean cleanup thing. Do you, have do you have you guys read about that? Yes. Ocean cleanup. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. So the deal is that there's a bunch of trash in the ocean, basically. Uh, there's Especially plastic. Plastic, yeah. They're, yeah. they're called uh, the the Great Ocean Trash Gyres or garbage gyres or something like that. And basically, all the trash that gets washed out to sea, like you know, paper, plastic bags that blow out and you know, people drop bottles and stuff in the in the water, they all kind of find their way to these spots on on the planet where the currents carry them. And there's like three in the Pacific, and a, there's an Atlantic, a North Atlantic, and a South Atlantic, and there's an Indian Ocean one. And these um, gyres basically have just large collections of plastic trash. I'll actually get to what that trash is in a minute. Can, that's can, can you
1: can you tell me that word you're saying?
3: Geyer. Uh, Geyer. Geyer. Yeah. Gyre, gyre, gyre. Spell it.
1: G y r e. G y r e. I don't know that word. Okay.
3: Yeah. So so the idea is that there's this you know area hundreds of miles and square miles, thousands of square miles maybe, that has all this trash in it. And it's uh, messing up the ocean's ecosystem. Um, There's some uh, sea life that doesn't do well with bits of plastic floating around in the water. And there's some sea life that actually does better with bits of plastic floating around in the seawater. Um, And it's not going to go anywhere. Matter of fact, actually, it will go somewhere. That's the bottom of the ocean where it'll mess up the bottom of the ocean and all the stuff that grows on that. So there's uh, a team of people that uh, want to clean this up. And they've developed this ship that, it, well, it's basically, it's like a net, a really long net that goes from the surface. It floats on the surface. It goes down about 10 feet. And the um, it, it will capture these small pieces of plastic and funnel them into this spot where they can be picked up, put on a boat, and taken back to land for proper recycling, actually. Um, and it's a theory. You know, they've tested it out, they've modeled it, they've, you know, they've raised a ton of money to build one of these cleanup things. And they built it in San Francisco Bay. And they are now, as we speak, taking it out into the Pacific for a test. So they're going to test it on some part of the Pacific just outside of California. Uh, where they can see how it actually works, because they're afraid that you know the models are one thing, but actually putting it in the real ocean with real sea life. It's, the idea is the fish, the, the way the net works, the fish swim under it, just ten feet down and under it, and shouldn't get caught in it, and uh, shouldn't interact with sea life It just collect the trash. But they want to test it, and if a test works, they will continue to pull it out to the, uh, I guess, the North Pacific Gyre. Um, or the, maybe the East Pacific guy or whatever it's called, the one between Hawaii and California, and try to see if they can pull in a bunch of that trash. Now, the interesting thing is there's a lot of aspects to this. One is that there's a lot of misconceptions about what this trash guyer is because uh, a lot of sites have run stories on it and then have shown pictures of water just filled with trash. Like, you can't even see the water. It's just trash floating on top. And that's not it. That's actually pictures from like polluted you know seaports and stuff the actual gyre itself looks like nothing if you were in it you would not notice anything but beautiful blue seawater all around maybe you would spot like a floating bottle or something like that but it's really tiny microscopic pieces of plastic that you can't quite see and they're floating far between each other they're not like all bunched up um so it doesn't look like much but it is a problem because there's supposed to be zero plastic there and there's greater than zero plastic much greater <laughs> than zero and that causes the issue so there's you know this issue of like people actually think that if you go out to this this area in the pacific you would just see this island made of trash and it's not the case you don't see anything at all but it still needs to be cleaned up um, and then there's the controversy over the fact that, well, find a good, we find a way to clean this stuff up, but we haven't found a way to prevent the trash from actually getting into the ocean. It's still being dumped into the ocean at an alarming rate. So the idea of just cleaning these up by the time they're cleaned up, which would take years, um, there would just be as much stuff put back in heading back for these gyres to take its place. Um, so, you know, the idea of recycling, doing things like, you know, the getting rid of plastic straws and plastic uh, lids for cups and, and plastic bottles, you know, completely and stuff like that is more important than actually trying to clean up the mess that's there now. Um, I don't know. It seems to me you need to do both. Right. You got to go and figure out how to get rid of this stuff. And at the same time, maybe all the talk about it, because it has been a new story. On all, all these, we're going to link to a New York Times story. It's been all over the place. I think it is, you know, gaining awareness that, uh, you know, hey, th- this stuff does actually, you know, cause damage. I know when I was at, um, a few years ago, I was in uh, the beach at Barcelona and a beautiful beaches there, but I did notice a lot of trash in the water, like, Going out and swimming, it was like, well, this is nice, except there's a plastic bag over there, and there's a cup, and there's a bottle, and it's kind of gross. And it, uh, I tried to figure out why, and then I realized, well, that's because I'm in a city that has a beach. Usually when you, in the United States at least, you go to a beach that's like a beach town. You know, I go to the Jersey Shore or something like that, and you see, you know, it's just this little beach town that is there. The city, you know, like New York or Philadelphia or something, they're all the way inland, Barcelona is a city, you know, as big as those right there with the beaches right there. So of course, plastic bags and bottles that get blown around by the wind in the streets, some of that actually ends up in the water in the ocean or the Mediterranean in that case. And that's where a lot of the problem comes from. Yeah,
0: you know, and you said that these are really microscopic little particles yeah. for the most part, but it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of it. So yeah. the guyer is, you know, when you look at the the maps of ocean circulation, you see these circular things and it attracts stuff to the middle of that. And one of them is between California and Hawaii. And there they estimate there's 87,000 tons of plastic somewhere in the range of 1.8 trillion separate pieces. We're talking a huge amount of trash. And this, this, Ship that they they built has this two thousand foot long boom that scoops the water, uh, and they're hoping that it can pull up seventy five tons. Wow! So, so it's going to take technical. a lot of those ships and a lot of time.
3: Yeah, they do, do want to build more of them if this is successful, and I don't know if they could build them even bigger. Um, it's, there's a whole bunch of science behind how it actually scoops up the the particles you know, it's not like some sort of machine that does it. It's just the, the way these things are built. They, they form kind of a U shape and they funnel these particles in and, and it, it's kind of an interesting process how they do it. So you can kind of put them out there and they kind of just do their thing. And then all of a sudden you have a whole, you know, I don't know what type of ship they used to get it back to land, but you know, you, you fill that ship up with these plastic particles and then you bring that back into land. And they, and you maybe leave it out there and it's still collecting more stuff.
2: Gary, you you touched on my personal pet peeve with um this class of story. And that is that yes, you could be out in the middle of one of these gyres and you wouldn't see a thing. Um even if it were completely uh you know bottles and cups and bags and whatever. But mm-hmm. what mo- and especially given the numbers that that Randy just gave us on the amount of trash that's out there just the sheer volume of plastic that's out in the ocean it's easy to see why people would see would would think of it this way but it's it's just as difficult for people to comprehend how big the ocean really is. And that's a lot of trash but it's also spread out over an incredibly large area. Uh, even though that's, in, you know, when you take a look at a map, it's a small area of the Pacific Ocean, but that's still a really big area. So, yeah, I, I always react negatively when I see those articles that show trash heaps, uh, essentially, in uh, on water. And it's either been manufactured or it's actually not a picture of what they're talking about.
3: Yep. You saw a lot of that uh, bring up another subject, you know, that uh, the Fukushima, you know, nuclear power plant. Thing. You know, there was a, after that earthquake and tsunami, somebody posted a picture of, uh, water currents, you know, showing red, these red tendrils spreading out all, all over the Pacific. And basically probably the original post was like, well, here's how the water currents work. So if we think about if there's any radioactive waste, this is where they might go. But it got eventually reposted as this is the radiation. And look at it. It's going right across the Pacific, right into like Los Angeles and San Francisco. And it's like, no, that's a, that's a water currents map. It has <laughs> nothing to do with the actual, you know, and that got reposted and reposted and reposted. And it's still reposted today, scaring people thinking of, uh, you know that that was actual radiation you know scary red tendrils across the it, Pacific it's Ocean.
2: funny because uh some i think what 3 years ago 4 years ago we my wife and i periodically throw the corgis in a trailer and we go camp on the washington coast for for a few you days place them gently in the trailer i hope well actually they ride in the car okay. my, my wife rides in no 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 <laughs> <laughs> um but we were out there and I mean, even in what's a fairly remote area, there's trash on the beach. There just hmm. is. There's random things that float in. Um, it washes in, yeah. Sometimes it's, it's you know, obviously identifiable plastic bags or whatever. Sometimes it's styrofoam floats. Uh, occasionally we still see the old glass uh, fishing balls, the fishing bobbers, or uh, floats, I wow. guess they are. Uh, that kind of stuff all the time. <laughs> we were out there and I was looking at this this piece of plastic that was on the ground And sure enough, the writing on it was in Japanese. And the theory is that it was just about the right time for something random to have come over from Japan, literally floating the entire way. So you could see it in the dark. Well, that that was my joke, right? I I actually did end up taking a picture of it just because it was unique. But um, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's just interesting how far reaching things like ocean currents really are.
0: Yep. Interesting. Randy, you had something else about, what, Windows 7? Yeah, people do not want to switch from Windows 7, especially companies. Uh, According to Forbes, or they they actually gave their source, and I didn't see what it was, um, 40% of all the computers in the world still run Windows 7. And as geeks like us know, they're going to be putting that to end of life, which means no new support patches and security stuff starting in January of 2020. Well, in a new blog post, um, Microsoft says that they're going to start charging people that if you really want to stay with Windows 7 and you really want to be smart and get the updates, you're going to have to pay for them, which, you know, frankly, I think is reasonable. You, you paid your license fee for Windows how many years ago? And, you know, they're not going to support it forever. But if you really want to keep running it, you'll have to pay for those updates. So here are a couple of things that are wrong with that story. Um, the headline. Uh,
2: that yeah, The is, headline
0: is Microsoft Confirms Windows 7 New Monthly Charge. Yep. That's from Forbes. Yep.
2: And it has nothing to do with consumers. It's all, right. it's all about the enterprise. So what? I, I don't want to nitpick on the words you used, but you said that people would have to pay. No, people aren't going to pay. People like you and me, for that matter, aren't going to pay. To be honest, we're probably not able to pay. It's companies that have large installed bases of
0: Windows 7 that
2: Microsoft
0: is going to charge for the ongoing service. Well, the question is... Are people like you and me, if we're running Windows 7, are we still going to get patches and security updates? No. And the reason I can say that fairly definitively is
2: this isn't anything new. They actually did this, uh, I want to say, with Windows 7 or with um, either XP or Vista. I think it was XP because XP was running into the exact same problem, right? Yeah, XP was they, very popular. They had a huge installed base. They wanted everybody to move on. Uh, to something at that time it was probably Windows seven, so in fact, corporations could purchase updates or ongoing updates to windows xP and by ongoing updates, all we really are talking about here are critical security updates. if something was going to threaten their organization, they wanted windows to to be fixed to handle that, and yes, they could pay for it they always could uh, the difference might be a subscription model versus an incident model, but they always Could, And even when they could say some kind of important security issue was resolved for company X because company X paid for it, it was not made available to others who also didn't pay, and it was never made available to the consumers. So, like I said, my concern here is that the headline is going to mislead a lot of people into thinking that they are going to have to start paying for Windows 7. Not only are they not going to have to pay for Windows 7, they're not they can't. Going to be able
0: to pay for yeah. Windows
2: 7, even if they want to.
0: Well, and it, it does say that in the article, if you get down and actually read it. Right. Um, the other thing they say is it's only going to be for three years. So it's going to end in January 2023, even if you pay. And they're going to charge those corporations that really want it more and more each year.
2: Which I find an interesting model, but it's so obvious what they're doing, and I don't think they're really trying to hide it at all. No. This is an incentive for all those corporations to move on. Yep. Now, the question is, Microsoft's definition of moving on and the corporation's definition of moving on might be different. But um, if nothing else, they will stop using Windows 7. Chances are they'll move on to Windows 10. But uh, Linux, move to Linux. I know. I I could see that <laughs> happening for some subset for sure.
0: Yeah, and probably not a good idea to move to Windows 8 because that end of life has already been announced too. I can't remember what it is. But.
2: Right. the The issue with Windows 8 is that it it's the old every other version s- syndrome with um, with Windows. XP was great. Vista sucked. Seven was great. Eight sucked. It's like, like yeah. it's like the Star Trek movies, right? Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, you know, One and, sucked. In, Two was good. In each case, the each version of the of the operating system has its detractors and has its proponents. But if you take a look at at the installed base, at the number of people who are actually you know, interested in using the operating system, it generally change, you know, varies dramatically from one version to the, to the next, to the next. So anyway, like I said, I, i once again, I find the headline somewhat more of a a clickbaity inflammatory headline than it actually reflects the truth. And I really don't want the average computer user, the average consumer to really think that something is happening when it's not.
0: All right. Sounds fair. Yep. So Leo, Tell me about this CRISPR thing. I know that you've got it on your list, and I don't it's quite. It's the drawer in your get fridge it. that
2: keeps. The vegetables really, and well. when you leave something in that drawer for too long, it starts to mutate. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I know the basics of it, but
2: what's interesting about this? So this is this isn't as much interesting about CRISPR. Well, there's a couple things going on here. One. CRISPR, as, as you probably know, is simply a way for them to not only edit genes in your DNA, but then also apparently ma- manufacture approaches that cause a body to then accept or use that as a replacement for some existing Um, Gene or DNA. It's a way to fix things, uh, at least in theory, and it's been done a couple of times. The interesting thing about this story that's a Time uh, magazine story gene editing fixes muscular dystrophy in dogs, which is interesting all by itself. um, We face issues with uh, uh, various diseases in dogs that have similarities. To human diseases, uh, we've had one. Uh, we've had a couple of our dogs have something called degenerative myelopathy, which is something that is comparable to Lou Gehrig's ALS in humans. So, when there's research going on with these kinds of diseases, even in dogs, the hope is not only will they be able to deal with the dogs, but they'll be able to use that research in a way that will ultimately benefit humans. This particular article was talking about fixing muscular dystrophy in dogs. Are humans next? CRISPR has a really bad reputation in the sense that it's got a PR problem. A lot of people think that it's—you um, end up with—I with, don't know—Frankenstein critters or, or you know, mutated vegetables, and yeah, we're all die. going to die. And it's not organic, and you know, all that kind of stuff. When in fact, um, it is an opportunity, it is a possibility, it is a technique, nothing more than a technique that uh, allows these researchers to potentially come to some really interesting, potentially, uh, you know, fixes, some actual cures for some of the more devastating and even not so devastating uh, problems that illnesses and diseases and syndromes and symptoms that people face. So I just think it's interesting that the progress is being made. I think it's interesting that CRISPR is showing something that is a very you know showing some progress in an extremely positive light. I mean let's face it, fixing muscular dystrophy would be awesome if this is a technique. It's a ways away, but it's progress along that path, which I just find really, really fascinating
0: um, and really, really interesting. And I will add that nobody says what CRISPR is what it stands for it is an acronym it's clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats so you know leave it to a scientist to come up with that but at least you can pronounce it by calling it CRISPR. yeah i was going to say now we know why they call it
2: CRISPR and not not exactly full name so which has the most bizarre segue ever um Mike Spieth, f- one of the things I appreciate about the Stop Bezos Act, oh yes, <laughs> is, is the work that went into creating the acronym. Yeah, um, yes, I, I, you know, I don't even remember what the the actual specific words are that make up the phrase "Stop Bezos."
0: But there's no question; it's it stands for Stop Bad Employers by Zeroing Out Subsidies Act.
2: You know, you don't even have to hear that to know what the agenda behind the issue is. Yes, <laughs> so just, exactly. Just hmm. it's it's. I mean, personally, I happen to disagree, but the bottom line is, I have a lot of appreciation for whoever came up with the name.
0: I thought that was a, a brilliant stroke of marketing. It, it's the classic thing. I think NASA actually started it, coming up with these really weird names that all spells out to something and I I can't come up with a with an example right now but when I was at NASA I noticed that you know eco stress is one of them Um, and I'd have to look up what that stands for but it's something to do with the ocean and all this stuff so I think it's not necessarily a good trend to to come up with an acronym just to say what you want to say it's it's as, pretty convoluted. And, I, I
3: saw
1: one it's a stretch referenced today from the uh, the NOAA, the National Ocean Oceanic Atmospheric Administration. They have uh, an acronym for sea, lake, and overland search from hurricanes: Slush. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so good. And, you know, Great I actually, example. I don't object in the sense that as long as the pronounceable acronym somehow reflects accurately what it's trying to capture. Uh, Every once in a while you end up with acronyms that have absolutely no relationship. You know, they're pronounceable. They come up with, you know, some pithy phrase that has no relationship to what it is they're actually representing other than being easy to pronounce and probably easy to remember. The, um, But in cases like this, in cases like, um, well, like the one Kevin just mentioned or Stop Bezos or whatever, they just capture what's going on, what what it's about in in a sometimes humorous, sometimes political, sometimes, uh, you know, just interesting, but always memorable. And I think, Randy, you remember the acronym. You remember what it was about. You don't remember what it stood for, but that doesn't matter. Clustered
1: regularly in space short palindromic repeats.
2: Yeah, well, whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, amniotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, okay. Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah. So, I
2: think we're coming up on an hour, guys. I'll have to talk about my radio stuff some other time. Oh, all
1: right, Aww, put that we'll on keep... deck for first time next next week. I want to hear about your sure. radio or something like that. Yeah. So,
0: geek. Yeah, there well, we
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll. Uh, Link to or include the uh, the photograph of me in full geek regalia while I was out on the uh, out on the track yesterday.
3: <laughs> well, what have we got going on this week, guys?
1: Uh, I think my thing is going to be the same as, as yours, Gary, but for different reasons. I, I, you're going to be uh, I bet excited for what is it Wednesday when when uh, Apple announces the new iPhones. Mm-hmm. But for you're going to write about them or you know, whatever, make money, write books about them. I I just I'm just ready for a new phone, so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to uh, try to. I don't know if it'd be first in line, but I'm going to pick one and and uh, and, uh, and and you know buy in and f- find out what I need and find out what I'm going to get. So
3: that's my thing for this week. I'm kind of hoping, just the, the personal side of it. I'm kind of hoping that they you know they come out with something new and awesome in terms of phones, but it's not necessarily enough for me to go for my iPhone 10 and get a new one. Cause I'm kind of sick of buying a new phone every year. <laughs> sure. I'm and, still on a success though. So I'm, yeah, I'm legally at, obligated. To, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well now, and for me it's like, because it's what I do and I, you know, if, if they come out with something, it's like, Oh, it's this has three cameras or a triple zoom or something that it's like, Oh, okay. I have to get it because you know, it's got this new thing. Um, then, you know, we'll get it. So I'm hoping they say, oh, it's the same, but everything's just a little bit nicer. And I'll be like, oh, okay, maybe I could just stick with my iPhone 10 then. Um, But I'm also curious to see, like, besides the phones, I mean, there's the phones, the Apple Watch, which I don't care about as much, um, and some little things. But there's a lot of rumors about new MacBooks. And I, part of me is like, uh, you know, thinking that they'll announce something to, you part of me also thinks, well, in the past, they have just kept this event about the iPhone and, and maybe the iPad. And they then go away and don't say anything about new Macs. And everybody panics and says, oh my God, they're killing off the Macs. The Mac not is have dead. Yeah. Then And then two weeks later, there's another event and that's all about new Macs. And they've done this over and over again. So I'm mostly suspecting that there's not going to be any Mac stuff. And like September 30th or something, there'll be a you know, a Mac event that'll say now Mojave is out and there's new MacBooks and all this other stuff. So so we'll see. But yeah, I have to, you know, watch it on Wednesday morning. And then after watching it, I'll probably do a summary video. And then I have to, you know, probably do whatever they have that's new. If they release iOS 12, for instance, I'll probably do a bunch of iOS 12 videos as my tutorials for the next little while. That's me. Cool. Mm-hmm. Randy?
2: Well,
0: I'm not gonna be here next week because I'm heading out of town.
2: Well, fine. Be that way. Yeah. <laughs> I I got nothing. I'm just, you know, continuing to catch up on uh, turning the crank over at Ask Leo. There definitely are continue to be no shortage of questions about technology. So that's what I do. oh well, fun. All right.
0: Sounds, All right. Sounds like we're done. It's yeah. fun. Thanks, guys. All right. So the show notes for this, this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash teh40. You can find us on Facebook. Yeah, 40, the big 40. <laughs> find us on Facebook and Twitter at the TEH Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again here next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.